0: Coming up next, a discussion on the important soft skill of facilitating meetings, why it makes our list, and its role in the workplace. All that and more in just a few moments. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, where we help you unleash the power of soft skills. Here are your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, episode 17. I'm Dr. Tobin Porterfield, and with me, as always, is Bob Graham. For you newcomers, welcome. And uh, let's set the stage a little bit. We've uncovered a list of 55 soft skills based on our academic research and through our teaching with college students and our work in various industries, and we just keep a keen eye on them. So we're uncovering each of those in the uh, podcast and what they mean and why they matter. Today, we're going to look at facilitating meetings. It's really a a big issue, Bob. Um, We were just talking a few minutes ago. Uh, You were saying something about how many
1: meetings uh, occur in the United States each day? There are 11 million meetings a day in the U.S., according to Business Insider. And here's the scary thing, Toby. Of those 11 million, about a third of them are unproductive by definition of the people who are involved. So unproductive meaning they didn't feel like they got the benefit of their time and effort. And that costs American employers. You ready for a number? Take a guess, Toby. How much do you think that costs American employers in productivity? Oh my gosh! It's got to be in the billions, but I don't know the number. You are correct. Thirty-seven billion dollars. Ah, uh. thirty-seven billion. So this is a big area of concern. You know, think think of a company wasting time with meetings that are unproductive. That is a drain on their resources in so many ways. So you can see why we need to talk about this and why it makes our list of soft skills because. Meetings are one of those areas where we have interpersonal communication. We're talking to one person. We might be talking to a group of people. We're setting vision. We're dictating what we need to do. We're making action steps. We're troubleshooting. We're doing a whole lot of things at a productive meeting. But unfortunately, not all meetings are productive. And you know as well as I how often you've been in a meeting that was unproductive. And don't tell them every meeting with me. That would be unfair.
0: That's right. And I think that's what we like to do. I I think we've I think we've clarified why it's on our list. I think we would get uh, I think uh, the folks listening would say, yeah, and and feel the pain that we've felt in meetings. But um, before we share our horror stories um, and, and let's let's dive into, you know, well, what makes for a good meeting? So I think there's a few really key points to successful meetings for productive meetings. And part of it is leveraging our technology that we can use when planning those meetings, when getting that agenda out ahead of time. So uh, one of the big ones for me is certainly to schedule the meeting with a clear start time and a clear stop time. I don't know how many times I get uh, uh, requests for meetings and I see only the start time. And there's this maybe assumption that it'll just run as long as it needs to. And I really don't have that flexibility. So I think that's something we have to set a standard on, as well as having a clear agenda and objectives in advance out to everyone on the, on the meeting.
1: Well, and I also like your idea of um, uh, the start time in the sense that actually if you are saying the meeting should start at 3.30, that means 3.30 and not 3.37, 3.35, I worked in one organization where the CEO was always 10 minutes late for a meeting. So every meeting started 10 minutes after the half hour point. It was always 3.40 or 4.40. It was never 3.30. And you knew the new people because they got there at 3.30 and were like, where is everyone? And so the organization shifted around that CEO, but it was really counterproductive because basically for those 10 minutes, we were twiddling our thumbs Even if we were at our desk, it's like, oh, I got a meeting in 10 minutes. And we're kind of geared towards those 15 or 30 minute, minute increments in our day. So it was very jarring to the organization. And there was really no way to overcome that. And I think that's an extreme example. But I also like your idea of having a set agenda in the sense that then, you know, one, if you're in the right situation, you know whether you should even be at the meeting. And one of the things I think organizations need to really think about is whether they can empower people to say, should I be at that meeting or should I not be at that meeting? And if you trust your people, they can make that decision. And maybe they can't be at the meeting because they have something more important, or maybe they don't need to be at the meeting because two of them were assigned to the meeting and one says to the other, hey, why don't you go to the meeting? Here are my concerns based on looking at the agenda take care of this for me and next week I'll do it for you. And that's a resource allocation area that I've i never worked in an organization that has been comfortable with that idea, even though it really stands to reason, especially when you're looking at higher level organizations in terms of, you know, team leaders, vice presidents, executive level. They should be empowered to make that decision. But usually it's one of those deals where if you're on the agenda, or if or if you are sent the listing of the agenda, you better show up. Exactly. Yeah. So re- rethinking how we manage
0: meetings is a is a good point. It's really looking at the changing work environment and how we delegate and how we work as a team. How necessary are some of those meetings? Um, I want to highlight two of the points that you added. Um, the right people in attendance, I think, was a, is a kind of a summary bullet. Who are the right people, and can they be represented? Um, I think also um, the um, leveraging of technology from the standpoint of does everyone need to be physically present or can we get used to having people dial in and uh, and be able to be productive in that? And that has a, a world of problems, and it's, it's great to meet face-to-face, but in order to enhance our overall productivity, we need to get more comfortable with that uh, virtual experience.
1: Especially with organizations that are growing Geographically beyond what's reasonable to have a meeting, you know, you get, having someone drive three hours for a one-hour meeting once a week is a silly use of resources. That's just that just makes no sense. But I'm sure there are plenty of organizations that are clinging to that old school style. Did I ever yeah. tell you? It, I, I just thought of something. Did I ever tell you about when I was I ran one team and we were having daily update meetings at eight thirty, and the way I made them short and sweet was. We went to standing meetings, and you could not sit down. And that took what was a 30-minute ripe session and compressed it into about four minutes of real, this is what we need to know, let's go.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's that's become a standard. You might have set the standard, but it's a standard practice for project management. For agile project management is to do a stand-up meeting. And, uh, to, and I was, I had that as one of my alternatives is to consider what meetings could be canceled altogether and which meetings could be as a stand up where we need to exchange some quick information and now we get, need to get back at it as opposed to these endless downloads of information that probably could have been sent to me in advance and, and I could have read through it and not had to sit through it. Well, Um, I think you brought up.
1: Uh, I was going to say, can I proffer when a meeting really makes sense? Because we're really talking, it seems like we're talking about when meetings don't make sense. But I would argue that the times that meetings make the most sense are when you need to redirect things in a broader way than just one or two people. So to me, it's that creating vision or instilling a new vision. So for instance, if you have a team of five people and they're working with a client And that client suddenly pulls the rug out and says, oh, you know what, the deadline's a month from now, but now it's a week from now. That would be a time where I would want to have, ideally, a meeting where everyone's sitting around the table strategizing, how can we shave three weeks off this project? Because that's a really big, that's a negotiation, that's a determining resources, that's the kind of thing that you can't do by email very efficiently, and you don't really want to have one person making those decisions. And that's kind of the test for me, is group think better than individual think, and is face-to-face or virtual face-to-face better than an email chain? And I think we're starting to get more comfortable with that concept, but I still think it's kind of foreign to a lot of organizations.
0: Excellent. And I think my other, the other point that I wanted to keep in for meetings is to have that ongoing action item list throughout the meeting. I'm a little old school I like to have it on a flip chart or on a whiteboard and and the purpose behind that is not you know the, the, my concern is is I'm going through meetings and we're and we're especially on a group and we're looking at different solutions and things that um, by keeping it out in front of everyone instead of just a list on in front of me or in front of whoever's taking the notes from the meeting is that we suddenly can look up and realize that, oh, no, we've got way too many action items or we got the same people on too many action items. We need to either table some of these. We need to get some other people involved. So I like keeping it really out and in front of people. But regardless, if we don't come out of a, of a meeting with action items of next steps we need to do, we probably didn't need to have a meeting. Because in that case, it was all just information just coming out, and that could have just come out as an email.
1: And I also like the idea, and you're pretty good about this. We met the other day. I'm holding up to the camera the list I took because he said, okay, who's going to do what? And he started to get very serious about it. I'm like, oh, I better write these down because I'm going to forget them. I've carried this with me for four days. This is really valuable real estate because it kept me on track. And I know with you that there's the accountability. Hey, Bob, you agreed you were going to do this do this, what happened? And I think that's the other thing I see lacking from a lot of meetings is the to-do list gets dealt with, but it's sort of forgotten three minutes after the meeting's over versus the meeting where, you know, the next weekly meeting or the next monthly meeting, you check in and you start with, okay, let's quickly go over the action items from last month or last week. Where are we on those items? And then you've got, you know, I think you can build a culture where the people aren't going, uh, oh. I'm so sorry I forgot that. If they know it's going to come up at the next meeting, they're more apt to do it because no one wants to go to a meeting month after month or week after week and be like, Oh, I totally didn't get to that. Oh, was that me? Oh, I'm sorry. I got busy with other stuff. That just can't happen. And when you're looking at efficiency in organizations, that's a really critical component of it is, you know, these action lists actually honoring the action list. And if you take on a project, you're saying, I can do it. Whether you say that or your manager says that, there's an accountability aspect of it that I think is really important to how things operate efficiently. Bob, I think we're at a good spot to, to take a little break, and then we'll uh,
0: come back and we'll summarize these bullets, and then we'll uh, share our best and worst case meeting.
1: Bob Graham here. Have you found value in this podcast or another episode of Serious Soft Skills? If so, then we need your help. We would welcome your honest review on iTunes, which is the primary place where people search for podcast programming. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast so you get episodes automatically sent to you each and every Wednesday. And we'd appreciate if you joined our Serious Soft Skills Insights email list, where we provide updates, insights, and other great information about how soft skills are playing out in the workplace. And we'd really applaud... If you shared what we're doing with someone else or 100 someone else's who can benefit from listening in. Thank you. So, Bob, I think we've made
0: some progress on looking at effective meetings. We talked about some things as, you know, the having the right people in the meeting, uh, having an agenda in advance, having a clear start and stop time, honoring that start and stop time, regardless of whether people have decided to show up on time or not. Um, whether we uh, use technology to do a virtual-type meeting, uh, I think an important one that you brought out was, uh, was having a framework to decide whether a meeting is necessary and, and why that meeting is necessary, and then coming away with specific action items that will be uh, addressed at the beginning of the next time we meet so there's some accountability. So I think, Bob, what we've done is we've, we've kind of identified what those key aspects are for the person who's leading the meeting, and we've set some expectations of, of how the meeting will go, but uh, I believe that there are some things that the people that are being brought to the meeting, the people that are coming to the meeting, they need to bring to the table, so to speak, as well.
1: <laughs> yes, that, that, nice, nice pun. I like that. You know, it's really three things that I think of, Toby. One is just being attentive. Being attentive not playing on your cell phone, not working on your laptop, but being there and really participating, being an active participant, meaning you're listening and you're exchanging information. And then also the third one is really being open to the debate and discourse that it's not personal. It's about finding solutions to situations. And that may mean moments of discomfort in that, you know, how many times are you at a meeting and someone says, oh, well, we can't do that. We could never do it. Even if it's the right solution, not getting defensive, that it's not your turf that you're protecting, it's what's right. And then allocating the resources is a second step after you decide the direction. Yeah, I think there's a responsibility for us. And, and if the leader takes the responsibility
0: to create a, an environment that can be productive, then the responsibility falls on those that are invited that, hey, they're the right people to be there. They need to be prepared. And they need to be fully engaged when they're there or we, again, have wasted our time.
1: So, Toby, you know, this is the fun part of this. And I think people are probably thinking about their best and work, worst um, experiences in meetings. And we're going to actually in a minute share our best and worst experiences, one or the other. But for people who want to play along at home, we would love to hear your best or worst experience at a meeting. You can tweet us at RealSoftSkills or you can email us at podcast. At serioussoftskills dot com, and we would love to hear your. story. Would you like to start this with your best or worst meeting experience? I will. I did. I did bring one
0: of each uh, because as we got talking about this, it, you know, things always. Start. But and mine, mine's a simple one, and it's an ongoing problem, and uh, it's about meeting scheduling. And uh, we have a we have a person in our organization that loves to schedule meetings on Friday afternoons of holiday weekends. Nice and. Uh it's just it just blows my mind. It's a group of uh twelve to fifteen of us need that need to come together. So uh it just really puts a lot of people in a bad position. You know, are we really getting full attention? Are we getting that enthusiasm? Are we really effective? Do we really have to? And and then the answer is we always meet the second Friday of the month. <laughs> so I've given up on that one. But uh That's you know, a good that's- one. I think we need to be conscious of the timing, the things that are going on. And sometimes external events happen. We've had some major things happen in our own cities and our country. And sometimes we need to say, hey, you know what? Today's not a, not a day people are going to be able to focus. We'll, uh, we'll reschedule.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. It's funny. Uh, my bad experience is early when I started my marketing company, I got connected with someone on the West Coast. And so we were scheduling a meeting by email. And I said, 10 a.m. And he said, that's perfect, 10 a.m. And of course, my 10 a.m. and his 10 a.m. are three hours different. So now whenever I schedule a meeting with someone I don't know, I ask them what time zone they're in. And it sounds really silly, but knowing that time zone can be important, I've learned.
0: Excellent. And I guess I'll I'll throw an encouraging one out. When you started to share your story of the CEO, we had a similar CEO that always showed up 10 minutes late for meetings and uh, and uh, I have no toleration for that. And I'm known to sit there and go, uh, what time does this three o'clock meeting start? Because it's already five after. And if it's, if the three o'clock meeting is not starting at three, I got other things to do. And, and I would actually get up, go up to my office and go back to work and say, Hey, wh- when, when he shows up and we're ready to start, give me a ring. Um, really disrespectful to people's time and it sets a tone of, of the value of the people, but that's actually, and, and it sets a culture issue, but uh, interestingly that's turned around and, and that same organization with those same people uh, now meetings start on time, which is really unexpected. So there is hope.
1: Well, and your idea of culture that the way meetings are run is part of the culture, I think it's a big part of the culture.
0: Um, I thought, think we have brought some good stuff uh, out today. Um, laying out some issues. We certainly, I think, make a good case for why being able to manage a meeting is an important skill in today's workplace. Gave some hints on it and some uh, food for thought. So uh, let's wrap up. Uh, that's all for us for uh, episode 17 of Serious Soft Skills. Uh, I encourage you all to email us at podcasts at com. Or you can catch us on Twitter at RealSoftSkills. Uh, we post blogs, links to other episodes, and other information on our website. So uh, check us out at SeriousSoftSkills.com. We'll uh, be back next week with another uh, hot issue in the soft skills world. So uh, please join us. Uh, we download our bo- podcasts uh, every Wednesday. So uh, until then, thanks for listening. Good day. And as always,
1: good soft skills. Good soft skills.
0: You've been listening to Serious Soft Skills with your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. If you like what you hear, then take a moment to review us on iTunes. Looking for more insights on soft skills? Then check out our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, for blog posts, newsletters, and other resources. And look for a new episode of Serious Soft Skills every Wednesday.